Hi, this is Straight Talk with D. Kelly. It is Wednesday, October 27th. On this episode, we start off with Representative Elaine Luria and why she has subpoenaed Steve Bannon to appear before the January 6th subcommittee in Congress. Well, he made some very clear public statements that, you know, this upcoming uh, event rally on January 6th was going to be extraordinary. It's not going to be what you expect. You know, patriots, you know, you've made this happen. Well, fill in the blank, made what happen? There was obviously something that was a clear plan for events to happen that day. And we need to fill in the blanks. We need to understand what conversations he had with other people, with the planners of the events, with potentially any of these groups, uh, Oath Keepers, Three Percenters, Proud Boys, you know, those who have also potentially been implicated um, throughout that day. And ultimately, what conversations did he have with the former president uh, before this before this extraordinary event and overrunning of the Capitol happened. I urge all Americans to watch what Mr. Bannon said on his podcast on January 5th and 6th. It is shocking and indefensible. He said all hell is going to break loose. He said, quote, we are coming in right over the target. This is the point of attack we have always wanted. Madam Speaker, there are people in this chamber right now who were evacuated with me and with the rest of us on that day during that attack. People who now seem to have forgotten the danger of the moment, the assault on the Constitution, the assault on our Congress. People who you will hear argue that there is simply no legislative purpose for this committee, for this investigation, or for this subpoena. In fact, there is no doubt that Mr. Bannon knows far more than what he said on the video. There is no doubt that all hell did break loose. Just ask the scores of brave police officers who were injured that day protecting all of us. The American people deserve to hear his testimony. Even Republican Representative Nancy Mace has explained why she has held Steve Bannon in contempt of court for refusing to appear before Congress. I want the power to subpoena when we start investigating some of the crises that are facing the Biden administration right now, or they were talking about the border or the the uh, the botched exit from Afghanistan. There are a lot of things that I'm going to want to investigate when we're in the majority that we're not doing right now. We are very happy to know that Pfizer is trying to get vaccinations for children 5 to 11, and hopefully we will see those rolling out in the next couple of weeks. Here is Dr. Omar about those children vaccinations we should see very soon. A sustainable control of this disease is not possible without covering children. The math does, just doesn't add up. That's the secondary reason. But it has a, a benefit not just to adults if children get vaccinated, but for children themselves. So return to normal um, impacts children themselves, their own education, but also their inter- entertainment and normal life. So they are part of the society and they have a stake in normalization. 
it, it's great news because there were a various number of modeling scenarios that the FDA and also the CDC presented some data, which is slightly unusual during an FDA advisory committee meeting, all reinforcing that the benefits clearly outweigh the risks. For every million children vaccinated, we can prevent about 50,000 cases of coronavirus, hundreds of hospitalizations, and close to 100 ICU stays. And unfortunately, we can prevent the deaths that have already occurred. So it, it's pretty compelling, but no doubt going to be a conversation between many parents and their pediatricians. Fox News anchor Neil Cavuto, who's been battling multiple sclerosis for the last 25 years, has contracted contracted COVID-19, and he's credited having received the vaccine for surviving. He said, quote, while I'm somewhat stunned by this news, doctors tell me I'm lucky as well. Had I not been vaccinated and with all my medical issues, this would be a far more dire situation. It's not. Because I did, I'm surviving this because I did. Because he made that statement, he's been receiving some uh, some uh, mean comments and harsh reaction from his listeners over at Fox News. I had touched on something that is akin to the third rail of politics, this whole issue of mandates and forcing people to get vaccinated. I didn't necessarily want to go there. I did want more of you unvaccinated to get vaccinated, so there's no threat of going there. Can you update me on what the reaction has been? Well, it's been um, kind of divided, Neil. Our first email comes from John in New Orleans, who says, heard you're back on the show this week. That's too bad. So uh, that's not very nice, but I figured we'd kick it and start off with a kicker. Uh, We've got uh, TJ, who also emails. It's clear you've lost some weight with all this stuff. Good for you. But I'm not happy with less of you. I want none of you. I want you gone, dead, kaput. Fanit, get it? Now take your two-bit advice, deep six it, and you. That's uh, rather harsh. Other people under attack these days have been Dr. Anthony Fauci by Senator Rand Paul about the Wuhan institution and our role in that, in which he attacked Dr. Fauci about it. Neither I nor Dr. Francis Collins, the director of the NIH, lied or misled about what we've done. The framework under which we have guidance about the conduct of research that we fund, the funding at the Wuhan Institute was to be able to determine what is out there in the environment in bat viruses in China. And the research was very strictly under what we call a framework of oversight of the type of research. And under those conditions, which we've explained very, very clearly, does not constitute research of gain of function of concern. There are people who interpret it that way, but when you look at the framework under which the guidance is, That is not the case. So I have to respectfully disagree with Senator Paul. He is not correct that we lied or misled the Congress. It's just not correct. And where we see the virus heading these days, here is Dr. Osterholm. Well, clearly the surge of cases that we've seen since June uh, caused by this Delta virus are subsiding. And that's going down. And basically, it's a combination of reasons. But uh, most of all, I think that the the thing that we have to keep emphasizing is the importance of vaccination. There are 65 million Americans who could be vaccinated right now and are not. 
And so this pandemic will continue on. We'll see more surges in the future uh, if we don't get these people vaccinated. Very important to understand that uh, we have to have humility when we talk about what goes on with this virus because we don't uh, understand all of it. Remember, this virus started really its surge in the Ozark region of the United States in June. And then we saw it move to the southern Sunbelt states, then we saw it into the southeast, and we saw it go up through the Appalachian area. Uh, we saw it then kind of skip over uh, the immediate northeast and hit Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. At the same time, we saw the virus move from eastern Oregon and Washington across the uh, Rocky Mountain states, and then we saw the North Central states get hit. So this was almost like viral lava flowing from the beginning of the pandemic emergence in, uh, in the Ozarks. Now it's subsiding. Why did it start? Why did it suddenly blow up? We can't tell you. It's, it, people talk about seasonality. We don't really have data to support that. We've had the warmest fall on record in many, many decades here. Uh, you know, it's been in the 70 degrees here, so it isn't that either. What it really, though, tells us is that we'll be back. And as much as this will go down, we will see a quiet period like we saw in June, remember? And then all of a sudden it'll be back because we still have so many people that are not yet vaccinated. We can tell you for certain that variants will keep emerging, these mutated viruses, and they really fit in one of three buckets. Either you pointed out that they're more transmissible, they cause more serious illness, or they can evade the immune protection from vaccines or natural infection. And right now, Delta, which is really much more transmissible, is kind of the lion king of the viruses. It seems to be beating out all the other variants. Could that change? It could. Uh, that would mean probably a virus is even more infectious than Delta, which would be hard to imagine. So I think that's what we're always mindful of, is that something else could show up. But right now, we've got our hands full with Delta, as infectious as it is. Also in the news is Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who has offered $5,000 to any law enforcement agent who would like to relocate to Florida if they want to have a job and not be vaccinated. We look at the reconciliation bill. Now, Nancy Pelosi has said that there is a deadline of October 31st to continue then finalize those negotiations, but doesn't look very promising. Here's Majority Whip Representative Jim Clyborne on the how it's going, what he thinks is going to happen. But, you know, President Biden also will be leaving tomorrow morning, so there's little chance of them finishing before he leaves. We are operating in the wide open here. Uh, we always talk about whether or not you are, uh, you enjoy uh, legislating in the open or sausage-making. Uh, the fact of the matter is, we are on board. Uh, it's all an issue of time and year, and getting things refined. Uh, I'm, I like where we are, uh, and I think we're going to have a good product uh, for the American people. We have already signed off on this infrastructure bill. The Senate has passed it. Uh, we've passed the rule, uh, and all we need to do now uh, is cast the final vote, and that's going to come very soon. We spoke last week about President Xi and the Chinese government testing of different missiles. And we continue our discussion with Colonel Steve Gainyard. He's the former Deputy, Deputy Assistant Secretary of State. And he talks about the Chinese government taking over Taiwan and what we must do 
to protect our interests. Strategic uh, ambiguity means that the U.S. has to commit to the defense of Taiwan now. Uh, the whole idea behind strategic ambiguity is to make the Chinese think two or three times. Will the U.S. commit the 7th Fleet, the 5th Air Force? Will it get to a nuclear exchange? Will they trade, say, Topeka for Taipei? So the real question here is how do you keep the Chinese from attacking? When might that happen? Most conventional military estimates say that's three to five years out. But the Chinese also noted what the Russians did in the annexation of Crimea. Put these little green men, people without uniforms, and use cyber hacking and take, take out critical infrastructure. It was almost a bloodless annexation of the Crimea, and that is very appealing. We may see that rather than a conventional attack. Xi Jinping has publicly said that he has a solemn commitment to what he calls the reunification of Taiwan and the mainland China. This is not a question of if, it's a question of when. And so this is why the U.S. needs to think now about what the responses are be. It'll be maybe one year, it may be three years, it may be five years, but it will happen. Now the latest subpoenas to go out would be to Representative Mo Brooks of Alabama and John Eastman, a lawyer for President Trump. They were a part of, well, at least John Eastman was part of the War Room Assembly. It was called at the Willard Hotel, where a Trump team was assembled, including Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon, as well as John Eastman. And that's why they want to know exactly what was discussed in that meeting and what was planned for the next day. January 6th. And for those who do not appear before Congress, and especially the January 6th Select Committee, it has been stated by U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, the Department of Justice will do what it always does in such circumstances. It will apply the facts and the law and make a decision consistent with the principles of prosecution. Liz Cheney, the representative, also a member of the select committee, takes her responsibilities seriously, and this is what she said. My colleagues in the Republican Party, the Republican members of this body, have to understand, have to recognize that there's a moment when politics must stop if we want to defend and protect our institutions. A violent assault on the Capitol to stop a constitutional process of counting electoral votes is that moment. They all knew that on that day. In fact, the minority leader himself stood in this chamber and said, quote, the president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. Mr. McCarthy was right then. The president bears responsibility. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to leave me a message, you can do so at anchor.fm slash dkelly slash message. Or you can tweet me at dkelly22. That's D-E-K-E-L-L-Y-2-2. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe at the bottom.